People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Ahoy, me hearties! Hope you're all having a fantastic week. Uh, I was, until some twat decided to uh, climb over my shed roof and put his boot through it. Uh, big old boot as well. Big foot, you could say. Not that big foot, of course. Well, who knows? Um, yeah, so... Obviously on the rob, or something like that. You know, these people got no consideration. Well, anyway, I've booby-trapped the, um, the shed door handle now. It's got a car battery attached to it, so... Yeah, let's see him try that one again. Anyway, enough of this rambling. You didn't come here for this. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, you know, anybody that's left a review, I've got quite a few review, quite a few reviews on iTunes recently. Just star ratings. Um, that's fantastic. But the only problem with that is obviously I can't get a name from that, so I can't thank you personally, as it were. So if you want to leave a review on iTunes, even if you just put one word. Like, well, I was gonna say great podcast. That's two words, obviously. Even putting one word, it'll just get it'll just get your name then, and I can thank you personally, you know. Because it's a shame, f from our point of view, that people are leaving reviews and we can't thank them. Uh, obviously, people leave reviews on other platforms, and again, they don't come directly to us. So if you leave a review on, say, Stitcher or whatever. Um, or Podbean, I think I had a couple on Podbean, but I can't access that. I get an email saying that someone's left a review, but I can't look at it, so, yeah, uh, or reply to it even. So if you leave a review or anything like that on a different platform, other than iTunes, then just email it to us or send a picture or, you know, message on Facebook, that's not a problem. Contact me direct, uh, me or Andy, and then we can, you know, thank you. Because um, we do appreciate anyone that goes out of the way for that sort of shit. That being said, if you're on Facebook, please join the group. Or if you're on YouTube, please join our YouTube channel. Uh, we promise we won't be putting loads of shit up all the time. So, you know, we'll only be posting r relatively infrequent on there. Uh, but mostly uh, investigations we go on, that sort of stuff. So, you might find it interesting. So, if you're on YouTube, then... Consider a join. Oop, and then drop my bear bottle over them. Don't want to knock that over. Imagine I shouldn't be drinking because I might have got a cold. Apparently it stops the pills from working. No one have had a cold a week. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so today, uh, that's what you're here for. Today we've got a Kieran Woodhouse on, who's a paranormal investigator from the Midlands. Uh, obviously that's the middle of the UK, uh, for those who don't know. And um, he's been involved in paranormal teams. Uh, but he also does lectures, uh, you know, on best practices and which equipment to use, that kind of stuff. For these paranormal teams, he actually goes around and does these lectures. So um, talk a little bit about that today. But if you're interested in what you hear from care and you want to know more, the links will be in the show notes. And his Facebook page will be on our Facebook page, so you can find him there. Uh, that being said, um, just before we get into that, Last week's show, I know there were some audio issues with that. I won't bore you with the details, but essentially I used two different types of software to record Skype calls. Uh, the primary one and then a backup one. The primary one failed and the backup one almost failed, um, which is sod's law, really. So you got um, where it should have been in stereo, it was in mono. Um, and obviously it creates that sort of like empty um how can you describe it well you heard it anyway it that it creates that so that was the issue with that so sorry about that but given that i don't think it took too much away from the actual content so um hopefully going forward that doesn't happen too often so i, just, I know a couple of people have mentioned it so i just wanted to make it clear what had happened there we had a poll up about that show on facebook and the overwhelming majority of people said yes that they agreed that there was possibly a space a secret space 
program in operation. Um, that goes with my sentiments exactly. So, uh, you know, surprised so many people believed that uh, believe that way. It's probably like I think ninety percent of the vote was for that. So, if you're on Facebook, like I say, please come and join the group. Just type in um, "Realm of the Supernatural" podcast, and you'll find it. Uh, right, let's get on with the show. So, here is Karen Woodhouse. So, uh, my name is Kieran Woodhouse, and I'm part of a paranormal investigation team called Seventh Sense Paranormal. Um, we operate out of the West Midlands in the U- in the UK, and we um, we tend to go all over the country to various sites and locations. Uh, I also uh, carry out investigations on my own, and with uh, a separate group of friends as well uh, who have similar interests as me. So. Um, yeah, I kind of joined the, the uh, Seventh Sense team about two or three years ago now. I was a paying member uh, for a couple of investigations before they asked me if I'd like to join their team. Uh, I agreed, and as they say, the rest is history. Indeed. So what was it that got you into the paranormal? Um, I believe it was a UFO sighting of all things, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in it. So even as a little kid, I would watch. We used to have a program called Strange but True. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Loved that. Uh, yeah, so I used to watch that and go to bed scared and wouldn't be able to sleep as a child. So I've always been interested in it. I lived in a house that was haunted. My mum's nan would regularly come back and rearrange the furniture and the ornaments how she would like it back when she was alive. Um, so even after she died, her and my mum had this argument constantly ongoing as to how she should be decorating her house. Um, I shouldn't we... take the wallpaper off, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that was my dad was hoping yeah. to save him a job. Um, but no, my, uh, we also had a child gate on the top of the stairs, to, so me and my brother wouldn't fall down the stairs. And if my mum had left that open, she'd slam it five or six times just to let my mum or dad know that they need to lock the gate. Yeah. So it was, she was quite a helpful um, a helpful ghost. It wasn't a scary kind of situation to be in. Um, but as a young person, you know, it, it certainly opened my eyes to see activity happening where there was no physical being to, to make that happen. Um, so I've always been interested in it. And then as happens with most people, you, you grow up, you get a job and life takes over and yeah. you can't, you don't have time to research your interests anymore. You're just trying to make it through day to day. Um, unfortunately I had a, really bad accident playing rugby and ended up three months housebound in a wheelchair. And it was during that time that I started to watch programs like Ancient Aliens, um, got into like uh, conspiracy theories and, and things like that because I had nothing else to do with my time. And it was about that time that my interest in the paranormal kind of sparked again. And I don't know if you're a believer in synchronicity or uh, fate. Yeah, or... I think synchronicity seems to, seems to be likely... Um... There's plenty of occasions where, you know, things do happen and, and you, you do wonder to yourself, you think, well, you know, is that just chance, you know? But... Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it was, um, so the UFO sighting that you mentioned, that kind of sparked everything and has led me to where I am now. So there was myself and my brother and we were coming back from rugby training. It was around about quarter to ten at night. So it was it was dark. I mean, it was like May, April, May time. And um, the country lane that we were driving through runs parallel with the M5, so the motorway. And we could see lights. We know the lights of the motorway. Um, but this one light that caught our eye was really bright. And it got us thinking, that's not that's not the motorway, that's something else. And as we kind of got to the top of this country lane and you could see over, over the fields, um, we finally saw this triangular craft. And it was probably about a 1,000 feet away, a 1,000 feet up. And um, there were two bright lights on the back corners of the craft. And I'd say it was about the size of half of a football pitch. So one half of a football pitch uh, sideways was probably the size of this thing. Um, What scared us the most was the sheer silence of the craft. Mm. So you can hear a plane at 20,000 feet. You you know it's there. But this thing was a 1,000 feet away or so. And uh, I turned my engine off. There were no other cars around. And the silence of, of, of this thing was... It, it was scary. I mean, at one point we both started crying. So you know, big macho men just come back from rugby training, and we're uh, we're sat in the car crying like babies. And um, that yes, happens more often than you think. I, 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 well, I've kind of 
I came home and like I said, that sparked my interest. So I started looking into abductee cases and alien sightings and UFO sightings. And you're right, it, it, I didn't feel like I was the odd one out then. I felt like that was a normal reaction to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you get the impression? I mean, it's difficult to tell just by seeing an object like that, but did you get the, did you get the impression that it was man-made? Or? Well, to this day, I mean, I've been in, um, there's a UFO um, investigator called Ryan Sprague of Sprague. He, um, I'm in one of his books, and I've been interviewed by several other people, and I've never mentioned that it was aliens, um, because I don't know. Mm. So, to, I mean, I don't know of anything in, in our Air Force or foreign Air Forces that have a craft similar to what I saw. Um, and, and uh, you know, they obviously have secret programs that we don't know about, but I've never seen anything like that. Um, but it was a UFO. I didn't know what it was. It was an unidentified flying object. Um, of course, when I tell people this, they go, oh, you think it was aliens? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, they, they class me as a nutter. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't see any green men in there. Um, what about just, what about material wise? What what what? It, sort? it was jet black. So because okay. it was dark, I originally thought the craft was rectangular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was only once your eyes adjusted to the sky, and the only way you could tell the shape was because it blocked out the stars, basically. So you, you were seeing like a silhouette of the shape. Yeah. Um, and then of course the, the two lights on the back corner. You could make out it was triangular. I couldn't see any kind of engines underneath. It just looked like a smooth um, surface. Um, Depth-wise, it was difficult to tell uh, how deep the craft was. But in terms of the material or man-made, um, I don't know. I, I Like I say, I couldn't see any engines. I couldn't see kind of any doors. Or I couldn't see any almost like um, you know, on a car where you can see there were different panels. Yeah, yeah. It just looked like one kind of long, continuous piece of, of, of material. Yeah. Wait, what, uh, what colour were the lights? Uh, they were bright white. Like okay, right, okay. Bright. You know, that, you know, on new cars, they've yeah, got yeah. LED lights. They yeah. were kind of like that, really bright. Um, and, and they kind of illuminated the field that, were be, that was beneath it. And there's, interestingly, there's, there's farmhouses and everything in this area. So the first thing I did the next day was Googled. Has anyone else seen this thing that we've just seen? And I, I've never come across anybody else. But when we got home, um, my brother's not into this kind of thing. He's, he's not interested in this. And that's why I was so glad he was there. Because when I got home, still visibly shook up. And we told our mum and dad, you know, this has just happened. If I was on my own, I don't think they, they would have believed me. But because my brother backed me up and said, you know, no, we actually did see this thing. It made it more believable. So um, I was happy he was there, actually, because he kind of backed my case up. Indeed. And how long did you observe it for, and did it, did it um, leave of its own accord, or did you it, leave first? Um, I'd say, it was, the thing is, if, I, if I'd have carried on driving at 30, 40 miles an hour, I'd have left it well behind. This thing was just cruising. Yeah. Um, and eventually it kind of it got so far that the trees obscured it a bit. And you could just see the lights through the trees. And it was probably, probably been about five minutes at this point. And I initially just, you know, eventually started my car and, and carried on. And we started going downhill then into our hometown. And we, never, we didn't see it again. It kind of just disappeared behind the trees. Um, so about five minutes we watched it. And then it, as it kind of became more obscured, we, we, we decided to leave and go home. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, five minutes is is ample amount of time for you to to know what it's not, you know? Yeah, it's also ample amount of time to get your phone out and take a picture. Well... You know, it's not... (laughs) People have asked me this, and again, something I found through looking into other cases similar, the last thing on my mind was get my phone out and take a picture. Yeah. Um, I can't explain why, you know, if you go... It's shocking, I think it is. Nowadays, most people's phones are glued to their hands, and Mm. they get, you know, people can take photos of everything... Um, but it just wasn't on our minds to, to take a picture. And I remember about three hours later lying in bed thinking, why didn't I take a picture? Yeah. I mean, I liken it to, because I mean, I've had that, um, you know, asked of me as well, but I liken it to, you know, imagine you was in a savannah and a lion came running at you. Would you, <laughs> that's the, that's the amount of trepidation that's running through your body at the time. So would you take a picture of that lion? I, I think not. No, no, um, no. I think yeah. the, reason, the reason we were crying is, is because we were scared, and yeah. I'm not ashamed to admit that. There was this craft that was silent, didn't know didn't know what it was, couldn't explain it, um, completely out of this world, um, so to speak. Um, yeah. And, 
it just petrified us. And it, when you're faced, just like you would when you were faced with a lion, you, you just break down, I think. And, yeah. and, and normal kind of brain functions wouldn't, would, would cease to exist. No, your body goes into flight or fight and uh, Absolutely. it just takes control from there. I think, um, you know, we spend most of the day living um, without thinking about the subconscious, but in those moments, I think the subconscious takes over. And this is, I think, one of the things, the elements of this regression that brings a lot of this out. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just tucked away in there. So you went from UFO to ghost. So what happened there? Um, I think because ghosts were always more you know, growing up in that kind of haunted house situation and, and things like that. Um, I, in my mind and where my research has taken me actually is, is that these two things go hand in hand. Yeah. So from that situation with the, with the UFO, I reported it and it got reported to a guy called Antonio Paris and he put me in touch with the UK investigator who's a guy called Lawrence McNeil who lived in Scotland. So I used to have weekly Skype calls with, with Lawrence who would sit there and, and, and kind of go through my case study. He interviewed my brother. I'd send him sketches of what I saw. And then there was one day where he said, you know, I, I can't talk to you for long today because I've, I've got to go out. And I said, that's fine. I, I'm off out as well. I'm, I'm going to watch a lecture. And he said, all right, OK, well, you know, what are you going to watch? And I said, it's a lecture on 9-11. And it was at my local UFO group. And he said, oh, I'm going to watch a 9-11 lecture. And, and I thought, you know, well, that's interesting. You know, you live in Scotland and I live here. And it turns out that his sister had married a guy from Birmingham and he'd brought him tickets thinking he'd be interested in it. And about an hour after that call, we were having a pint together in this bar. Um, and, you know, we'd, we'd never met each other before. And so when we talk about synchronicity and things like that, it, that just n- n- makes me feel like the universe is telling me you're on the right path here, you yeah, know, yeah. the right thing. So um, I continued with that, continued going to these groups, these UFO groups. Um, and, of course, there's been speakers at, at these groups that talk about paranormal, so that kind of reignited my passion. And then I started to go on ghost hunts, so I'd pay to go with, with, with different crews. Some I enjoyed, some not so much, um, which I, I go into um, in a bit of detail in the presentations that I give. Um, but eventually I kind of settled on this this group that I quite liked and I, I kept going back and back. And eventually they they asked me to join their their crew and that, that was it then. So that was about two or three years ago now. Um, so I, I still investigate with those and I, I kind of do my own thing as well on the side. Okay. So during these investigations then, what sort of things have you run into? Um... <laughs> quite a lot I mean in terms of uh, encounters that we've had we've had anything that range from spirit board activity um, we use uh, different pieces of equipment that, that I'm sure some of your listeners will be familiar with so EMF meters which um, are the, the, the first thing in any ghost investigators toolbox um, REM pods so uh, the, 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 where there's an EMF meter will kind of emit, uh, sorry, will uh, notice any disturbances in the surrounding EMF. A REM pod produces its own EMF and what that means is if anything interrupts it's the field that it's producing, it makes a noise. So if something gets closer to the aerial, it kind of gets louder and as it as this thing moves away, it gets quieter. So we've had a um, vast amount of activity with this thing. You know, We've left it on the floor, we've left it on stairs and we've heard it go off and then off as if something's walking up and down the stairs. And of course, interestingly, people are saying they can fit, you know, they feel like a cold rush of air uh, walking past them as they're sat on the stairs. So it's when, when multiple pieces of equipment all tie up to, to kind of one uh, location and, and, and different people's uh, thoughts of what's happening there. If you can get results from different pieces of equipment to back that up, then that's kind of, you know, that excites me a little bit from a ghost point, uh, a ghost hunting point of view. Um, yeah, so we've encountered all kinds with uh, evil, evil. You know, I mean, I've been carried out of several places because things have affected me on an emotional level um, and on a physical level as well. Um, so I got carried out of a, a place called Draclo Tunnels, which was a Cold War nuclear bunker that's um, near Kidderminster, and we carried out a human pendulum. Do you know what that is? No. So a human pendulum is where. We will put a volunteer in, 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 in kind of the middle of a room and we'll, all the other guys, you know, we'll all go around them in a circle so we can see what's going on. And from a health and safety point of view, we'll put a person in front and a person behind just to make sure they don't fall over and hurt themselves. 
Um, we then relax this person. Uh, no hypnotism involved. None of us are hypnotists, but we just relax this person. Um, arms down the side, heads on the chest. Um, and once that, once we think they're fully relaxed, we we start to ask for a spirit to interact with this person's body. Um, so we ask for a yes answer, and we tend to get this person sway forwards or backwards. And then we'll ask for a no answer, and they tend to sway the opposite way to a yes answer. Um, and we then begin our questions. So, you know, are you a male? Are you female? Can you leave here? Did you die here? The general questions that you'd ask on a ghost hunt. Um, and we, we think that the, the belief is that the spirit is using this body to interact with us, um, to give us answers. So I took part in this back when I was only a paying guest. And um, apparently, according to some people, I did the Michael Jackson lean. Okay. So, uh, I, again, you know, I'm like 19 and a half stone. I can't, I shouldn't be leaning like that. Um, but apparently I was. And I was swinging forwards and backwards like crazy. And then eventually I felt this huge kind of like smack on the top of my head. And it pushed me backwards. And a guy had to stop me from hitting the floor. Uh, and when I regained my feet, I just felt there was this kind of like vice-like grip on my head. And it just wasn't letting go. So they carried me out of the room to a room next door uh, I couldn't remember my name it was a Friday but I was adamant it was a Wednesday um, and I just didn't know where I was in general it took about 10 minutes for me to calm down and once I started coming round we heard this growl at the back of the room so I turned round and was then told you know don't look at that just keep focusing on me just forget what you just heard when we went back into the room about 5 minutes or so later uh, the rest of the group had been carrying out an EVP session and they'd recorded a hello as an EVP and we worked out the times and it was roughly the same time that we heard the growl next door so um, that got me thinking then you know how why did we hear a growl but the recording picked up hello mm. and that's kind of where my fit my theory started in in terms of is this equipment picking things up that we can't because we don't have a, the capability to see or hear things that are operating on, on the frequency levels that, that, that we can see. Uh, and that kind of, that, it was that point then that I kind of thought there's a lot more to this. Um, and I, I, I want to start digging a little deeper than just the general ghost hunter. Okay, cool. So do you want to lead me down that path then? Or what, what did you yeah. start, what, you know, what sort of experiments did you carry out to, to test yeah, sure. the theory? Um, well, I mean, it all started really, I'm a huge fan of uh, David Icke and David Icke's work mm-hmm. uh, and he's kind of theories on nature of reality and, 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 and the, the world that we live in and how we perceive the world. Um, and it got me thinking you know, that the human could, you know, we can only see 0.05% of the light spectrum, give or take. So, you know, that's... We're essentially blind. Yeah, basically, and, and, and that's what we call visible light. Yeah. And you know, when we do ghost hunts, we use equipment such as um, ultraviolet torches or infrared cameras, things like that, that that will pick up things that we can't see with our own eyes. Yeah. So, and that's just you know, the infrared and ultraviolet are just either side of, of of our of our light spectrum. So it's not too far. You know, we can go much further afield. Um, and it got me thinking, what's existing in this 99.95% of, of, of the world that we cannot see? Um, and, you know, just because we can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. So I started to think, you know, if, if I, I've always likened it to a radio station. So if we, if we were listening to Radio X in the car, it doesn't mean that Radio Y doesn't exist. It's just that your radio isn't tuned into it at that time. If you decide to tune into Radio Y, Radio X still exists. You're just no longer tuned into it. Have you ever driven down the road and you've had two radio stations kind of mixed together for a little bit? Yeah. And then it kicks you back onto your normal radio station. I believe that that's what happens when you see a spirit or a UFO or a Bigfoot or anything kind of paranormal. So it could be that, you know, we're almost living in a block of flats, all living on different frequency levels. We know someone's above us because we hear them every now and then. We might cross paths in the lift or, you know, walking down the corridor. But essentially, we're operating on different levels of, of, the, of these flats. Um, and therefore, we can't interact with each other on a day-to-day basis. So when people say, I saw a ghost, and then it disappeared right before my eyes, it could be that situation where the two radio stations have, have, have intermingled and then pulled apart and he couldn't see it anymore. Um, and maybe psychics and mediums have an ability where they can 
uh, tune into Radio X and Radio Y at exactly the same time, and therefore they can they can interact with these beings on a on a daily basis where someone like myself can't. So with that in mind, we started to dabble more with the infrared and and and, and pieces of equipment that you know we can't that we need in order to see outside of our, our visible light. One experiment we did do, which was very interesting, was we had um, some EMF emitters in, in a room, only a small room about the size of your average living room, uh, and one was emitting at a high frequency and one was emitting at a low frequency. We then had a, a receiver, so it was just like a radio receiver, and we tuned it into all these different frequencies that we were emitting. And essentially, we flooded this room with EMF. You know, obviously you couldn't see it, but it was absolutely flooded with, with, with uh, EMF. We then carried out experiments. We had seances in there. You know, we called out. We had our EMF meter on. We had our REM pod on. And nothing was happening, nothing at all. And essentially, I got a bit bored. And I said, right, I'm going to turn it all off and we're going to leave. So switched off all the equipment. The second I turned off the last piece of equipment, the REM pod and the EMF started going crazy. And I mean, if you're familiar with an EMF, it was shooting right up to red constantly. It was staying there for like 15 seconds at a time. The REM pod was going crazy as we were walking around the room. And for me, in my mind and with my theory, I believe what we'd done is we prevented a spirit accessing that room because we'd flooded it with EMF, we flooded it with frequencies that they couldn't operate on. And the second we'd emptied the room, it was almost like they could breathe. They were like, oh, yes, I can get in now. So they, they kind of came in on their frequency level and we weren't blocking it anymore. So it's that kind of investigation that, that, that piques my interest when, when, we're, when we're hunting ghosts. Indeed. What makes you, because I'm still not sure on this, but I want to get your opinion on it. What makes you believe what you're dealing with is ex-human beings, shall we say? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't fully believe that myself. Yeah. Um, in fact, when I give talks and when I, when I speak to people at, at, at investigations, I quite often get asked, you know, are you the sceptic of the group or do you even believe in ghosts? Because... In my mind, I have to come from I have to come from a, a skeptical side in order to see what's what. You know, I've been on I've been on ghost hunts where every single noise is a ghost. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and I, that that kind of irritates me. Um, you know, if you're ghost hunting, it's one in the morning. People's you know their bellies are rumbling, they're shuffling their feet because they're tired. These are the kind of noises that you're going to hear. Um, not everything is a ghost. Um, but in terms of, is it a human? Is it an ex-human? I, I mean, I've done, we've had results on, on spirit boards where we've, we've had people come through and, and talk to people that are there and give them answers, um, telling them it's their mom or their dad or their brother, and they've given them things only their mom, dad or brother would know. Um, I had a great spirit box session with my nan the morning after she died. Um, again, saying things that you know only my nan would know. So when you look at it on face value, the first thing you would assume is, well, that's my nan, or that's my dad or my brother. Who else would know that? Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I know it's cliche, but I've never, I've never been a ghost, so I don't know kind of how it works that in 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 their realm, mm. and I don't know if it's an energy that that has the ability to kind of know everything about us and therefore can pretend that it's a dead relative um i'm, I'm not sure um it's, it's a good question actually but I, i'm really not sure um why some people believe that they're human mm. yeah again i guess mostly it's due to the answers that they get um see, yeah like you say it seems like you're interacting with a with a human being but um yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, have it, on these investigations, have you ever run across anything like a shadow man or? Yeah, I mean, I, apparently I, I have this big thing that follows me around. I've had different mediums tell me and different um, people that, that that would call themselves sensitive. Mm-hmm. I have a, a big shadow man following me around um, wherever I go. Um, in fact, I gave a presentation once, and I, I do talk about this sometimes. But one person in the audience put his hand up and said, "You do know there's a big kind of." Shadow stood behind you now. Uh, and I said, oh, well, yeah, I get that a lot. Um, so, yeah, we, we've encountered shadow people. We've encountered people that won't give us their name. Um, we quite often have a guy who calls himself Jack who likes to come onto the, the, the spirit board and swear at us. And I mean, 
really bad naughty words uh, and he insults the, the female members of the team not a very nice guy in no. general um, and I, I have my doubts as to whether he was ever human yeah um, my, where I kind of lose a little bit of touches I'm not a religious person yeah. so I don't believe in God um, don't believe in heaven um, so when people talk about demons um, that always tends to go hand in hand with, with a religious belief mm-hmm. um, so I, I find it difficult to I know that there are bad spirits that exist but I find it difficult to label them as demons but I guess you could call them whatever you want they're probably it's all the same entity yeah um, so yeah, we've we've encountered evil spirits and, and and shadow people and people that you know you literally just see a black mass. You can't see a face. You can't see any kind of um, outline. It's just a black mass. Um, and you know normally that kind of signals trouble when we see something like that. Okay, so what sort of examples of trouble? Um, we've had um, again. It was down Draco tunnels. And this kind of, I don't, I don't know if any of your listeners have ever been down there, but this place is huge. It's like five miles worth of tunnels and you can get like two big Arctic trucks side by side down some of these tunnels. They're, they're just ginormous. And, um, when the light, you know, about 400 feet underground, I think at the deepest point. So it's pitch black, you know, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It is that dark. But there was this one tunnel that we were in and we could somehow see a shadow in this, you know, it's yeah, yeah. back, but I don't know if you ever had this, but yeah. you, you can see a shadow and it's like, how, how am I seeing that? Because there's no light to create the shadow. And it was kind of moving towards us and then it was moving away from us, almost like it was just sizing us up. Um, and at back we started hearing growling at, at, at the same time. Um, People were feeling tugging on their legs, tugging on the back of their, their jackets, their hoodies, and uh, it all got a bit kind of, one woman started, you know, having trouble breathing. I'm asthmatic, so I kind of, the first thing I thought is, oh, you know, I better get my inhaler out if this is going to start. Um, but yeah, he, 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 every time he came closer, he came a little bit closer, if that makes sense. So every time, every time he moved back towards us, he was probably getting two or three feet closer. Um, till eventually he was like right in our faces. People were claiming that they, they they could see a man's face in front of theirs. I didn't, um, but yeah, he 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 was. It wasn't a very nice experience. Um, I think it's the same guy. We, there's a surgery down in Draco Tunnels, and there's a guy there where I had my human pendulum experience, and he's not a very nice person at all, particularly towards females. And I think it was the same spirit that that that, that had come from that room. So, um, so yeah, we've encountered evil spirits. Okay, cool. Have you ever thought of taking a small child along with you? Um, we have insurance and uh, <laughs> safety things, so we we can't really. Um, although it would be interesting because um, we believe we've spoken to children on spirit boards and, and things like that before. Because um, normally, you know, people say, what's your name, what's your name, spell your name, and nothing happens. And you have to remember that, you know, you, you're either talking to a child who probably wouldn't know how to spell their name, or if you're talking to a spirit that lived two or three hundred years ago, most of these people yeah. are illiterate, you know, they just sign an X. That they didn't know how to spell their name. So I've seen people get frustrated. Why aren't you spelling your name? And so like, hang on a minute. You know, they probably can't. You know, if you just show them where yes and no is, they'd probably answer you a lot better yeah. than asking them to spell out their answers. So we get interaction with a lot of children. So taking the child with us um, would be dangerous from a, a law point of view, <laughs> but um, but would definitely be interesting. In fact, my my wife's expecting so. Who knows? Three or four years. (laughs) Take a little mini investigator with us. It's just from the point of view, you know, um, obviously my own children have uh, commented um, on various things um, and they seem to have, you know, a little bit more of a a bridge between that world and and this world. And and I just wondered if, you know, taking their child on an investigation, obviously the child would be fucking shitting themselves. If he's in trailer tunnels, like you say, but, but, uh, I just wonder if we'd get any more, um, evidence that way, you know? Um, I think you're right. I mean, 
children and, and animals seem to kind of have 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 this kind of link to the to the world that we don't. Um, many a time, my, my family's old dog would come sprinting out of the kitchen yeah. and sit there growling in the doorway at nothing that was you know we couldn't see anything in the kitchen. Um, and children, you hear all the time of children who 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 can. You know, they'll say, Grandad was just here, and they, you know, they, they explain exactly what he looked like, but they, he died before they were born. Mm. Um, you hear, you, you know, you, all you have to do is a quick Google search, and you'll find stories like that everywhere. Yeah, I'm always a bit, uh, more skeptical of the animal side of things, because, uh, uh, uh just for, just because we don't have a, a, an understanding of the, uh, the animal, you know, what's, what it's interpreted. This is like, uh, give, I'll give you an example. There was, uh, an elderly couple who had this little dog. Yeah. And at five past nine on the dot, this dog would go crackers, running around the house, barking and all this. And uh, and they got it into the red. You know, they spoke to a few people and a few people said, well, you know, uh, maybe someone died at the house and that's what time they died. And all these theories come out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it turned out that about half a mile away or a quarter of a mile away from their house, there was a, a train track. And at five Sorry. past nine, a train went past. <laughs> on this train track and the dog could either feel the vibration of the train or it could hear it I don't know yeah, um, yeah. and that's obviously what it was reacting to but their mind went straight to ghost yeah um, you know so we've got to be a little bit careful with the with the animal side of I mean take a canary down I mean, if that if that pops its clogs then uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, the the, the animal side of thing I'm a little bit more a little bit more skeptical of just to, just because we know. don't know, you know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and when you talk about people that, that instantly jump to the conclusion, ghost. Yeah. Um, that you know that's been proven wrong time and time again. You know, there's there was that uh, there's a great example of a bloke in America who moved into a new home and claimed that he couldn't breathe, he, he couldn't um, sleep, he felt like something was crushing his chest. Um, he got like paranoia basically and someone was always watching him there was always someone else in the house with him and when he got people in to start working on the house they found that his electrical wiring throughout the whole house was faulty and it was emitting so much emf that it was just having this huge effect on him and of course emf has been proven to um suppress the melatonin levels within the human body which would mean he couldn't sleep and of course when you don't sleep you start to hallucinate you start to see things that aren't really there it can cause sleep apnea um and as soon as he got all the electrical wiring fixed, hey presto, uh, the house had been exercised and there was nothing left in the house to haunt him. Mm. So people jump into the conclusion of ghost all the time uh, is a little bit of a bugbear of mine as well because 99.9% of the time there is always an answer. But it's that 0.1% of the time that makes me want to keep investigating. Yeah. Yeah. So equipment-wise then, what... Yeah. What would you say if someone was going to go ghost hunting and uh, you know they've only got a certain amount of budget? What 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 sort? What would be the one piece of kit you would say get that? Um, crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that for me, you know, it, it's going to sound quite cheesy, but it's just themselves. Yeah. Um, you, the thing is with equipment, it's you, you don't know when it's faulty. So you, you could buy an EMF meter, you could buy a, a REM pod, and all these pieces of equipment that we do use, um, they've never scientifically proven that a spirit exists. People just use them. So there's no scientific uh, evidence to, to, to prove that a spirit can affect electromagnetic fields. Therefore, if that was the case, then an EMF meter all of a sudden is pointless. There's no point having one. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if an EMF going off or a REM pod's going off or a human pendulum's happening, which could be the subconscious of the person answering the questions, whether they want to or not, you know, it, it could just be the person answering the questions. Um, there's always a possibility that it could just be faulty. Whereas if you feel something or if you see something or you hear something, you know, your batteries don't need changing. You know, you know that you've seen that, you know that you felt that, and sometimes that's all that matters. So, you know, if, if it's all about the personal kind of, for me, it's the personal experience of, of an investigation. Yeah. We've yeah. left places where I feel um, elated, I feel happy, it's been fantastic, and there's a, there's a bloke who thinks it's been absolutely awful, didn't experience anything, and he wants his money back. Um, so, for me, the one piece of equipment would be 
yourself as as as, as a human. But if we had to talk about other pieces of equipment, my favourite is probably the spirit board. Hundred percent the spirit board. Okay, I know if Andy was here, he'd be going crackers at that because the uh, he 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 just don't agree with them at all. Um, With spirit boards, yeah. Okay, he's uh, you know he thinks you're opening something you can't necessarily close, uh, Um, and you don't know what's going to come through. That would be his, you know. Yeah, that's what kind of what he'd be saying. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. Well. Again, I talk about this in, in my presentation because I always I take pieces of equipment with me, and whenever I pull out the spirit board, you can see people on the front row recoil. Right. They, they, they can't, you know, all of a sudden they're sitting five rows back. Um, and I have to try and explain to these guys that you know it's basically just letters on a board. Mm. I've seen people do we uh, say Ouija boards, spirit boards, where they've cut letters out of pieces of paper, made a circle on the table, used a glass, and they've still had activity. Um, we even just use a glass ourselves sometimes. So we'll ask for a yes, it'll move in a straight line. We ask for a no, it'll move in a circle. And then we can conduct our experiment and we get our answers through that. Um, so for me, the board is just a, a way of a spirit connecting with us. You know, if it wants to communicate with you, it will, whether you've got a spirit board, some pieces of paper on the table, or just a glass. Yeah. Um, it, so for me, uh, a, a spirit board isn't a, a portal to hell, um, or it doesn't unleash demons. And in my mind, the people we've got to thank for that are the media and Hollywood mm. and films and programs and books that have, you know, de- uh, demonized this, this, this piece of equipment. Um, I'd respect anyone that, that says the opposite, as you've just said. Um, and that's, that's their opinion. And this is just my opinion. But, um, you know, we've communicated with, like I said earlier, that guy who likes to swear at us and abuse people over a spirit board. Um, but we, we just kind of, we close the spirit board and, and we leave him behind. And I've never had a bad effect after a spirit board session. And I've never heard of anyone who's been with us who've had a bad effect after a spirit board session. So, um, it fascinates just it's a, it's a fascinating piece of equipment because if you do a human pendulum and this person's moving backwards and forwards as i said earlier it could be their subconscious whether they're doing all they can to stand still they might not know it but they could subconsciously be answering the questions for us yeah i was going to ask about that i mean i've not actually seen that practiced uh, myself but i mean would the person in the middle have like um headphones on or no, so again, this, this, these, these are the kind of experiments that I'm beginning to conduct. You're absolutely right, because we also do one where we ask for a spirit to follow the, a, a voice. So we'll say, you know, spirit, come to my voice, and this person will rock towards your voice. It's like, well, of course they will, because even if there's not a spirit involved subconsciously, they know where you're stood. This person, this volunteer, so they're going to move forward. Having done the pendulum myself several times, you don't feel like you're moving, um, even though evidently i have been moving um but again the power of the subconscious is astronomical and you know whether you think you're moving or not you could be doing that yourself that doesn't have to be a spirit involved and it's those kind of uh, pieces of kind of experiments that, that i struggle to get on board with and they're fun and the, pe- the people that, that come along with us enjoy doing them because it's it's interactive and it's something they can kind of you know get hands on with and that's fine where where i favor a spirit board though is let's say you've got five people with all with their fingers on the glass and i'm guessing you've done a spirit board oh yeah yeah, so normally what we tend to do is we, we warm up the board, so we push the glass around the board, and we do that ourselves. And you can tell that, you know, people are pushing the glass. We then tend to ask people to put their fingers on the glass nail down because it's harder to, to, to move an object with, with your nail on the glass as opposed to the tip of your finger. Um, and then we've had it where we haven't even asked a question and this glass just shoots to one side of the board. And when we do start to get answers and they start to spell names or words or, or whatever, then if we're all subconsciously thinking of, of one name, what are the chances of five or six people who are participating all wanting to spell out, let's say Harry, yeah. um, the chance, you know, the chances of that in my mind, 
are, are so slim, you know, it, it just wouldn't exist. It wouldn't happen. So what what you would have is you'd have myself, who let's say would want to spell Harry, so I'd be fighting to move it subconsciously over to H. You'd have the guy next to me who wants to spell Jim, so he's fighting to move it over to J. And you'd just have this kind of weird subconscious <laughs> struggle on the glass, yeah, you know, with people trying to move the glass to where they subconsciously want to move it to. Um, so it kind of eliminates that element of, of, of it possibly being non-paranormal, which makes it a lot more interesting for my mind when we do it to, to, to try and explain what's actually happening here. Mm. And that, that's why it's a piece of equipment that every time, every single time I've done it so many times I've lost count, but every time I do it and that glass starts to move, I get goosebumps in a good way, but I get, I get goosebumps and it just blows my mind. What's the, what's What's the best message that you ever got across? Um, we had a guy, we did a, an investigation at Smevic Swimming Maths. So it was a functioning swimming maths. Uh, and one thing I'll say is what I found is if you see a place that looks haunted, it probably isn't. Yeah. And if you go to somewhere that, you know, that you think, oh, it's just a, a 1950s house or something, then we find that those are normally where you get more activity. So we went to this swimming baths and I wasn't expecting much. It was just a functioning swimming baths. And we carried out a spirit board session and there were only three of us. It was myself, another crew member and a guest. Never met the guest before. I can't, can't even tell you his name now. Um, but he um, he decided he wanted to do, to do the spirit board. So we did. And after a few answers and a bit of back and forth, he said, you know, I think this is my dad. And of course, I got a little bit suspicious. So I've asked him to move his hand off the glass so he can't, can't interfere. So all that's left on the glass is me and this other crew member. And I said, you know, keep asking questions then. So he was asking questions like, uh, what street did, I, did we grow up on? Uh, what was mom's name? What's the name of my oldest son? He asked about 10 or so questions and it got every single question right. Um, every single one. Uh, down to the, you know, how, how, how did, how did you die, dad? And it answered heart. Um, which, which was right apparently. So eventually this guy kind of broke down in tears and said, you know, I only came to hear my dad. That, that's the only reason I came was to talk to my dad. Um, so I guess that was a good thing. And you know, although he was crying, he, he got what he came for. Um, and he was happy for the rest of the night. You know, he kind of, he hung around, he calmed down and he enjoyed the night. Um, but again, I can't explain how did me and another crew member who didn't know this guy, answer all of these personal questions spot on to every, every single question. I can't explain it. Mm. Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about um, EVPs? EVPs, uh, one of the best we ever had for um, in terms of an audible sound. There's been there's been several. So there was one we, um, we investigated a club called the Electric Club in Wolverhampton. And it's just like a social club. And there's a cellar, and it's a it's a tiny cellar. You could probably get about 10 people down there comfortably. You know, any more, you, you begin to struggle for space. And it was about one, half one in the morning, and we'd had a, um, um, a few bits of activity down there, people being touched, a few kind of knocks on the wall. So, so we thought, you know, let's, let's give it another half hour. This, this could get good. Um, and then somebody's phone started to ring. So as a crew, we were all getting a bit annoyed, you know, I'll just to put your phone on flight mode or, or whatever. So she gets her phone out. She says it is on flight mode and, and it was, and it was half one in the morning <laughs> and you're in a cellar. So who's calling you at half one? Your phone's on flight mode and you shouldn't be getting any signal because you're in a cellar. So she gets her phone out and it's saying private number. So she ignored it. She put it back in her pocket. About a minute or so later, somebody's el- somebody else's phone starts ringing. And we're like, okay. So the first thing I think is whoever wanted to contact that lady is now trying to contact that lady's friend yeah. in-, in order to get through to her. These people didn't know each other. So they- they'd come on the investigation. What- they weren't together. They didn't know each other. But her- this-, this other lady's phone started ringing. So she got it out, private number. We're like, okay, so she ignored it, she put it away. Again, a minute later, this lad's phone rang, he gets it out, private number, and everyone was like, just answer the phone. So he slid it to answer, and it came onto loudspeaker, and in the broadest, like, black country accent you can imagine, it just sounded like a little boy going, I really want to go home now. And um, as loud as, you, as loud as, you know, as anything, every single person in the cellar heard it. And 
to be honest, it scared me a little yeah, bit. Give me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's some, you know, and it's those kind of horror films where you only have to see like a little child and you, you get a little bit creeped out. Yeah. Um, so it was like that, you know, this, this child saying, I really want to go it's home. Just children in general, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got all that stuff. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we, and then what interestingly, on a separate occasion in that place, we've also got a photo of what looked like three little children sat on the back wall of the cellar. And you can just make out their legs kind of hanging over the ledge of the cellar and their, their little bodies, uh, two heads. The, the, the other one doesn't really have a head. Um, and it, again, you know, it backs up that there is some kind of child activity going down there. So to have that come over somebody's phone was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the best I've, I, I've ever had. Um, we've had whistles. You know, I've had whistling right in my ear, in my ear um, responding to our whistles. Uh, there was one actually in Draco Tunnels, and we were doing the classic whistle, you know, uh, just like Yvette Fielding off Most Haunted. So we were whistling, and we were asking for it back. The first thing you think in a tunnel, there might be a bit of echo. Yeah. So we'd been doing it for, for, for a minute or so, and, and there was no echo. So we, we knew that if we heard anything, it wasn't an echo. All of a sudden, we heard this whistle. And it was right in the, there was about five or six of us, and it was right in the middle of us. So I've kind of turned my torch on, accusing everybody of taking the mick. So I'm like, who just did that? Because that's not funny. And everyone was like, no, it was none of us. We, we didn't do it. And as I was kind of shining my torch around them so I could see them, it happened again, but a little bit further away. So, and they all kind of looked at me as if say, see, it wasn't us. And we, not a clue who it was, but that, um, we swiftly left that that area because uh, that that freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, that shows uh, intelligence to a degree. Um, Absolutely, yeah. If it can respond to something that you're doing, um, and the fact that it was moving, it got further away. Um, it does show intelligence, um, and again, that just opens up a whole new kind of worms in terms of what is it that we're interacting with. Yeah. I was just going to ask about the uh, the social club there where you got the, the child yes. going through. Do you know the history of the place? I mean, has it always been a social club? or? Um, yeah, so there's the, one of the guys in our, in, our, in our group, he kind of holds a radio club there, so he knows the place really quite well, and that's one of the reasons we can investigate it pretty much as and when we want. Uh, most ghost uh, teams will have what they call a base, you know, somewhere that they, they investigate more than anywhere else. Yeah. We would probably say that this place is our base. Um, so yeah, we, we know quite a lot about it, and it's answered quite a lot of questions. And we've had guests come in, so uh, it has been a social club for ages. It was the electric club, so it used to be like an old um, kind of place where all the electric um, workers and that would would go to, for for a, for a social drink. Um, and it's in a place called Chapel. I think it's I think it's Chapel Ash. Don't quote me on that, but it's a place called Chapel Ash. It's right by the Banks's Brewery, and there's a church. If you kind of stand on the car park, you can see this big looming church, like about three, four hundred yards away. And rumour has it that um, they found bones in this cellar. And it, there's a tunnel, apparently, that leads to the church. Yeah. Uh, back when there was kind of like the plague and, and things like that, these, these bodies were, were burned. And hence why it's called Chapel Ash. Um, the, these bodies were burned uh, and disposed of in that vicinity. So the chances of there being children is, is quite high. Um, and with that, with knowing the history of the club, uh, another interesting story we had was they have a function room, as most clubs do, and it's upstairs, and then you've got the standard dance floor with the carpeted areas to the side where people can sit. So we went up there with, with a group of people, and uh, we'd line the chairs up kind of around the dance floor, and um, all of the ladies in the group, sat on these chairs except for one lady who stood in the middle of the dance floor and we asked this lady you know how do you feel um why you stood over there and she said oh i don't know but i don't feel welcome you know i feel like everybody's looking at me like i shouldn't be here um so i asked the women sat down how do you feel and they said oh we feel fine no absolutely fine and it turns out that where that dance floor was um obviously beneath there there used to be a squash court and women weren't allowed on the squash course. The women were only allowed in the seating area, which would have been on the carpeted area of this function room. So all these people were sat on this carpeted area. All the women felt fine because that's where they belonged. The lady who was stood where she shouldn't have been because it was men only felt like everybody was watching her, judging her, and she should she should get out of the way, basically. Um, so when we told them this at the end of the night, um, that lady was a little bit freaked out by that. Mm. So that's almost like the building itself's got an imprint. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, uh, that's the difference between a spirit and a ghost. Yeah. So a spirit is something that will interact with you, but will whistle back at you, it can touch you, it can answer you. A ghost is that imprint, it's, it's an energy. So I always say, if you live in a house for 40 years, you get up, you go downstairs, you make a coffee, you go upstairs, you get dressed, you come downstairs and you go to work, that's going to leave some kind of memory, mm. some energy on, on that place. I wonder why it doesn't happen when we're alive, though. You know, like, say I've been here for, for 30 years and I, and I uh, move up the road and the people that move in this house, you know, keep ringing up say, you know, I've just seen you in your dressing gown making toast, you know. <laughs> it's, um, it's interesting that I've never thought about it like that. Um, that yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, like, like I say, I always just see it as, as, as a, you know, people see ghosts walk through walls because those walls weren't there when, you know, when yeah. they were um and and all they're doing is just carrying out their day-to-day activity what almost like watching a vhs yeah, just, a replay, yeah. uh, just, a, just a replay yeah so for me um that's the difference between a spirit and a ghost that, that one is interactive and another one is is, is just a replay of, of, of what they used to do mm. so with full spectrum cameras and technology advances and all the rest of it do you think we'll ever get to a point where we can um scientifically uh pr- proven communicate with the other side um i think that some of the advancement in technology hinders us yeah i think it you know as i as i mentioned earlier um for me the, the best way of communicating is is ourselves um but also as things advance it also becomes easier to fake things so how many times now do you see a video online of a ghost or a ufo and the first thing everybody says is cgi yeah. Or that's fake or you know that that's photoshop um so i think it goes hand in hand that the more advanced we become technologically the more easier it is to fake things and i think the faking things will always hinder us potentially um basically proving that ghosts exist because someone will always say no that's fake and even if you've captured it and you're sat at home thinking, but I haven't faked it, this is real, you know, I know this is real, uh, the real question is, would it ever be accepted in society as real? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd have to be uh, repeatable, wouldn't it? And, uh, yeah, and, 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 and that's the scientific side, isn't it? You know, you'd have yeah. to do the same and get the same results. This is why my favourite evidence when it comes to Bigfoot is is the audio, because, you know, it's, it's very difficult to... Um, to fake audio, um, yes, because you can run it through machines that will give you the frequencies, um, and it, you know it will be or it won't be in the range of a human being or yep. the next best animal. So, uh, you know, I think obviously the video side of things, and I, I do the same, and we spoke about this on the show before. But you see this video, and you it's almost too good to be true. Yeah. So, yeah. so you just immediately go to fake, and uh, yeah. you know, I think we've got to stop doing that. I think we've got to judge things on the merits, but. Uh, it's difficult to do in this this age, like you've you've, you've alluded to there, because so, people are out there to uh, to fake stuff and, uh, and and you know the security intent and things like that. They they make a, a shed load of money out of it. So um, yeah, they they make a shed load of money, but they, and and they also um, prevent us, um, you know, real investigators from from kind of in my mind getting proof and, and, and proving that things are real I mean you talk about people who are, who are in it to make money there's so many ghost hunting groups out there that, that are just in it to make a quick book mm. um, I mean we've investigated places so we know how much they charge um, and then you, you see another ghost group advertising the same place for like three or four times the money and you just, and you just think where's that money going you know so and then when people are paying sixty, seventy pounds to go on a ghost hunt, you know, that's a lot of money. Um, you want to be entertained, you know. You're paying sixty, seventy pounds. You're going to want entertaining. That's your problem, yeah, because then you almost have to uh, make things happen. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly where I was yeah. going, you know, because I, I've been where they have, they'll have a medium. I mean, I, I believe in mediums, but you know, I have a medium there who's basically telling you how to feel. Yeah. They're telling you what to see. They're, they're, they're telling you what's going on. So you leave there thinking, oh yeah, a lot's actually happened. But if you actually sat down and thought, yeah, but what did I experience and what did I feel? And for seventy pounds, you'd probably feel robbed. <laughs> um, you know. So and 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 it's the same as TV programs. You, you watch things like Most Haunted. They have to entertain you. 
Because if they showed what an actual ghost hunt was, it would be an hour of them sitting in a dark room, bored, yeah, yeah. trying not to fall asleep. Absolutely. And that's what a ghost hunt is. That's, uh, I, that's so. one thing that I do like about most stories, when they do the the live ones, you know, which yes. at least they have, really the, see what it's yeah, like. they have the balls to, to, to do it. And if nothing happens, hey, nothing happens, you know. And, and then and you'll that... get people saying, well, nothing fucking happened. Well, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a paradox, really, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, we, we have people coming out on our, on our uh, investigations and, and after an hour, you can see they're getting bored, they're getting restless. And, and you have to try and explain to them, you know, this is what it is. Yeah. You, you watch a 45-minute episode, if you take the ad breaks out, a 45-minute episode of Ghost Hunters or Most Haunted, then they're going to put all of the interesting stuff from a like, six, seven-hour investigation into 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. If they put the boring stuff, you wouldn't watch it again, and then they, their career would be over because they're not on TV anymore. Um, so they have to keep you entertained, and, and that is exactly the same as, as the amateur groups. Well, I say amateur, you know, these guys are professional because they're making money. And the problem is, if they go to locations and they pay a lot of money to, to, for this location, these locations then think, well, hang on a minute, I can actually charge this much money. And again, what that does is it prevents the little guys, the, the, you know, the, the, the individual teams and people like that, they can no longer afford to go and do these places mm. because the, the, the people that run these places have got, you know, money signs in their eyes because they think, I can, I can charge three or four times what I used to charge. Um, and then it's, it's kind of like a, it's a beast that's growing because yeah. the more they charge, the more the, the groups have to pay, which means they have to pass that cost on to the guests that want to come with them. And it's actually, in my mind, becoming a rather expensive hobby now. Um, because of it, because of this. Yeah, well, I guess I've got one final question for you. Then on, on the, um, on that. With that in mind, it's uh, if you could investigate anywhere, where would that be, and why? It's in the world. Anywhere in the world or in space. <laughs> um, Ghost on Mars was that a film? Well, John Carpenter film. Um, no, for me, I think I'd, I, I've got to think about prisons, um, prison cells and, and things like that. So I'd probably want to do somewhere like Alcatraz. Okay, yeah. Um, or, or somewhere, you know, where there's been, and I think it's just because of the reason that the people were there, mm. um, how they were kept, uh, and the emotions that must have happened in these places, you know. Um, and I know it's quite grim, but somewhere like Auschwitz as well. Would, 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 be, would be interesting because we talk about this memory or this energy that gets imprinted. You know, I've never been myself to Auschwitz, but I know people that have, and they, they, you know, they just walk into it and they just think, wow, this is depressing. Yeah, yeah. And I'd just love to, to kind of come at it from a, a paranormal point of view with some pieces of equipment and, and experiments just to see if we picked up on that. Mm. I'd like to do a hospital, a working hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah. That just, would be interesting. Yeah, you know, just because people are dying there all the time, you know. Yeah, well, you'd never run out of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I could convey about, you know. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but, uh... but yeah, no, that I mean, that's it's. Uh, I mean, it's uh, interesting. So, getting it from your side, you know, you're out there doing it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just want to thank you for coming on and. Uh, thank thank you for having me. So. It's, uh, it's been fascinating. It's been really, really enjoyed it. Thanks. Okay, so hope you found that interesting. I really enjoyed this discussion. I really enjoyed the discussion the other week with Vandy as well. I think um, you know Andrew Johnson just knows what he's talking about and easy to get into conversation with, and so was Karen. So got a couple more interviews lined up, and hopefully they'll go sort of the same way. Um, one about theories, and another one about well, I won't tell you what the other one is about, but it's it's strange stuff basically. Um, yeah, I won't give you too much detail because I don't want to spoil it for you. Even though saying that, the titles kind of give away, you know, what we're talking about. So, it's a catch-22, really. I mean, some people want to know what the show's about before they decide they're going to listen to the show. And then other people wanna, don't want to know what the show's about. It's It's difficult. I don't know. If you've got any ideas, best way to title the shows I mean do you like the fact that you know what the show's about before it starts or um, would you like that element of surprise I don't know uh, but if you know and you want to let us know 
then it's supernaturalpod at gmail.com. Make your feelings known. And uh, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. But if you're part of a paranormal team, uh, you know, does these investigations and you want to be on the show um, to tell us some of the things you've run across, the equipment you use and all that kind of stuff, then just shoot us an email at supernaturalpod at gmail.com or go on the website and you'll be able to find an email there. So until we meet again, take care and we will see you on the other side. Time for a bear. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Thank you.